listening to The 30 Podcast. Here's your host, Jazz Kang. What's up, everyone? Recording this on a Wednesday. Don't forget, before we jump into things, subscribe to the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. We have a couple of shows coming out pretty much daily. Uh, you can do that on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, you name it, we're there. And of course, check out silverscreenandroll.com for all your Lakers needs. Harrison Christian and Sabrina taking care of most of the written part. The man who's in charge of the audio part joining me again this week, Anthony Irwin. Anthony, what's going on, my man? I'm I'm hanging out, man. We're just enjoying this uh this off season, nothing really going on, no legal problems facing anybody. Oh, what? No, never mind. <laughs> Let's jump into that. The Alex Caruso. First off, I didn't take Alex Caruso for a weed smoker, but we'll, we can jump into that a little bit later. But if you don't know the news, uh, he did get caught with, uh, I believe it was just a grinder, pretty much that was in his, uh, that contained a little bit of, of, of weed. Uh, he was flying out of um, Texas A&M, the college station, the university police there, ended up checking out his luggage as he was hopping on a flight. Uh, he wound up being charged with just a misdemeanor. It's uh, possession of under two ounces of marijuana and drug paraphernalia. He did post a cash bond, just over 3,500 bucks. Uh, in the state of Texas, though, possession of less than two ounces of marijuana, class B misdemeanor, maximum fine $2,000 and 180 days in jail. I don't think it's going to get that far. What did you make of this when you saw that Alex Caruso is carrying around a weed grinder. First off, Alex, you're like a millionaire. Why are you carrying around a grinder in your in your bag? They're like $14.99. You know what I mean? So what did you make of all this? And do you think this is going to impact anything with his free agency stuff? Well, so this is the kind of warped reality we live in, right? Where initially, like, I laughed at it, and I kind of rolled my eyes because Texas is such a dumbass state. Like, we it, was, it got too cold for people out here to have power now they're concerned it's too hot for people to have power but don't worry everybody we are managing the marijuana situation <laughs> out here what are we doing so that was like my first thought it was like god the idiots that run the state but then like the other the next thing that i i, I thought of was hey dallas is probably going to pursue alex caruso he's kind of sort of the perfect point guard to play next to luka Doncic. mark cuban likes him for reasons mm -hmm. and 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 like i you know i i was a little nervous that dallas might offer him the godfather offer and maybe it gets to a point where there's enough uh, money involved to where caruso is willing to look past this stuff uh but but i mean it, it's it's just, it's gonna be fresh in caruso's mind if uh if dallas comes calling or if houston comes calling or i don't think san antonio is going to come calling because they have uh the the, the two point guards there but it, it is, you know, if Dallas does, you know, pitch Caruso in a meeting and he says, hey, is there anything that we can do about the marijuana laws? Like the Lakers should lead with that. Hey, you want marijuana? We can go get you some marijuana for this meeting. Yeah. It's awesome. We're we'll, negotiate, we'll negotiate a couple of ounces for you as a part of the agreement and you'll be, you'll be good to go. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And then like my last, because, you know, I, 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 find, I try to find the funny and everything. And I just love the idea of like of of Alex Caruso's Texas parents, uh, <laughs> thinking of him going out to L.A. and being, you know, completely overtaken by the the sinners of the West Coast and, and the and the the elite coasters out there who who took their baby from him <laughs> and had him start smoking the uh, the devil's grass. It's fantastic. <laughs> 
they're just pissed off at the entire West Coast because their innocent baby boy decided to smoke a little weed. That, <laughs> but, exactly. but to me, the Caruso thing, I mean... Like, again, I, I don't fuck it. Like, you know, I'm not going to talk. I mean, my my stance on weed is if you want to smoke it, smoke it. I don't you know what I mean? Whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But um, it's just funny to the, to see like, dude, why are you carrying a freaking grinder with you in your <laughs> bag when you're trying to go on a flight? Maybe he was high when he was getting on and just forgot about it. I don't know what the hell it was, but it's like, why are you keep like just be smart about that, Alex? You know what I mean? Don't even put yourself in this situation that something like this can happen. But do you think this is going to impact anything with the Lakers looking at him and thinking this is like a, you know, a, a red flag or a strike in any way? Because I don't see it like that. And if they did that you know, a lot of NBA players would be in trouble for, for ever even taking up yeah. um, smoking marijuana anyways. Yeah. I don't, I don't see the Lakers holding this against him. I think the the pretty uh, clear declaration of the Lakers stance on it was LeBron saying that he was going to pay straight cash yeah, yeah. for, for uh, <laughs> Russo's bail. So I don't think, it, I don't think that he's going to look any different in the Lakers eyes. I'm sure by the way that the Lakers probably know that Caruso smokes weed or, or that any of the guys on their team smoke weed. Um, it's it's look, I I'll cop to it. I I enjoy weed. I miss it because I live out here in Texas. It, ironically, if Caruso had it inside a gun, he would have gotten away with it because they love guns so much out here. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, that's the trade off. <laughs> but but like I, you know, it 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 does help with with pain and and I'm sure for professional athletes, they go through a lot of things. He was dealing with the concussion for por- portions of of uh, this last season, and I know for me, I have a concussion in my past, and that was one thing that my doctors told me it might help, and it did for a while there. I I, I try to stay away from um, opioids as much as possible, but. Uh, and, and back in California, it was great because that was an option. And, and so for him, it might not even be like, uh, it, 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 whether it is something that he does for the high or if it's a medicinal thing, whatever, it doesn't matter to me. And, and I don't think it matters to the Lakers either. I got to ask you this, like, I, this is our opinion. Again, we're not saying it. You think LeBron's like a, like a regular weed smoker, or do you think he's just like a, you know, a casual weed smoker? Would you peg him as anything like that? I could see him. I would love the strains that LeBron has access to. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like that, I mean, could like, you just imagine like the kind like of wine that we eighth, know, right? Yeah. Right. Like <laughs> yeah. the kind, the kind of wine that he has access to and the kind of wine that we know he drinks, like I'm sure he has that level of, of weed um, in, in his possession at, at, if, if that is something that he's interested in doing. Um, I, I know for me, like it was nice. You had a glass of wine, and then, you know, you, you, you either have a blunt or you split a blunt. It was a nice evening. That was, that was great. So if that's what, if that's what LeBron does, then I'm sure he has like the absolute best of, of anything available. Oh yeah. He, he's smoking the, the high end pre like whatever's above like top shelf was like private reserve or whatever they have. He's like, he's at the top of it. I, random stupid question. Which Laker on the roster this year, do you think is like that, that guy who has never touched it and would never want to smoke weed. Is there any dude on the, on the roster that you would have looked at and thought that? I might have guessed Caruso before. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> that, that that probably would have been my guess beforehand, but but no, like I don't think there are any Lakers out. Like maybe Talon Horton Tucker because he was so young, you know yeah. that that yeah. like he that wouldn't be something that he was interested in. But it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me. Like you know he's a portly kid. Maybe he enjoys the munchies after weed. So so, so like I don't know if that's what's going on there. But but yeah, I, I mean. I, there's nobody that like sticks out to me like Mike Penberthy back on the Lakers was always always gave me a kick 
because he was so clearly out of place. Mark Matson, same kind of thing where you had, you had these, these loud black guys who, who just enjoyed like their lifestyles or whatever. And you had Mark Matson who could not dance at all. And, and he was just like figuring out a way to, to, to blend in with all that stuff. And I don't see like a Mark Matson on this team. I was, in his, I was thinking maybe Marcus all. Maybe, maybe, I mean, but he, he has like, he shows up to every game with hat hair. Yeah. You know, and, and like that, that kind of, you know, that kind of chill vibe is what I would associate with, with weed. Maybe Andre Drummond. Cause we know he can't get high. Like he doesn't yeah. get off the floor. So. <laughs> and he has no chill and he has no chill. And right? so that's <laughs> exactly. the other thing he wanted a starting role. He had to have it. Um, okay. Let's talk about some so sober things that are going on in the, uh, in the world of the Lakers. Uh, this one coming up, Christian wrote about it. Uh, earlier today on, on on Wednesday, like I said, when we're recording this, uh, Jason Kidd coming up as a potential head coach for the Orlando Magic. Uh, do you think that hurts the staff at all, or is it just going to be something like, all right, time for this guy to move on because that's what assistant NBA coaches do? Because I look at it, and I remember, you know, if you look back at when Vogel was originally hired, it was, and and they named, you know, Kidd basically his is one of his top assistants. It was well, Jason Kidd's going to be, you know, lurking in the shadows, and and if things don't go out, you know, start off right. Um, you know, Frank's going to be gone real quick and they're going to promote Jason Kidd. Obviously, I think for the most part, I would say, you know, Frank Vogel has done, has done a, a pretty damn good job. Obviously won a championship, had to deal with unforeseen circumstances last season with all the injuries and then going into the playoffs and, and, you know, not having much chemistry. Um, this, this has hurt the Lakers at all with, if Jason Kidd does move on or is just like, all right, we're just going to fill his spot with the next man up. It hurt. I don't, I don't think it. It, it changes things because I know Jason Kidd is somebody that, you know, LeBron really respects uh, because of, of Jason Kidd's playing resume. So with this team and with, with, with somebody like LeBron, somebody like Kidd uh, does kind of offer that cachet that players look for in, in, in some coaching staff. So that, that would change some of the dynamic there. One thing that I was really looking, um, really paying close attention to when this season ended was as those kid candidacies start turning into more opportunities and as those opportunities start turning into potential offers, right? Would the Lakers, what would the Lakers do to keep kid in house? And is there anything that the Lakers could do to keep kid in house? And one of the things that I was a little nervous about, quite frankly, uh, no pun intended, was that, that Vogel might, he's coming off of, uh, a season, not that he was particularly disappointing, although it, whether it's whether we think it's clutch or whether we think it was Vogel's own rotations, I thought some of his rotational choices over the course of the season were kind of weird. Um, but but whatever the situation might be, the Lakers fell short of expectations this year. And if LeBron wanted Jason Kidd as his head coach and as Kidd starts getting offers to potentially leave the Lakers would the Lakers fire Frank Vogel to keep Kid in house? And to this point, I'm I'm really happy to to say that like we haven't heard any of that at all. Uh, maybe it picks up as some of these situations become a little bit more serious, and as Kid becomes more of a serious candidate. But but uh, as of right now, uh, I've been I've been pleasantly surprised by how little, how few whispers we've heard on that front. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I, I think ultimately, like you said, I think they want to keep, you know, as long as they have the majority of their, of their 
their major front office players, including the, you know, the coaching staff in place. I, I think they'll be fine because, you know, I'm looking at this. I honestly believe the Lakers would have at least been in the Western conference final. Had they not go through what they went through. I, I think we said that a lot throughout the season on the, on the, on, you know, the weekly podcast that I'm on uh, with our feed is, is look, these guys are the best team in the West and you can have these little subtle changes around them. I think if they honestly, even with the roster as was, if everybody was healthy, I still think they're going to be in a good spot. So I don't think they have to make any you know big changes and worry too much about the peripheral stuff like assistant coaches. I think they're just going to be, I think they're going to be just fine coming again next season. They're going to have to make some tweaks obviously. And, and we'll talk about that uh, after a short break. All right, we're back, Anthony. You know, we're talking about the changes with, with the coaching staff and, and potentially Jason Kidd moving on. I want to jump into it, and I really like the piece that Harrison wrote just on, you know, looking at they have to fix their shooting this offseason. Obviously, just given their salary cap situation and, and they're pretty much hard capped, they don't have a lot of assets they're going to be able to move around. Where is there any potential like older free agent veteran guys you're looking at, similar to what we saw with Wes Matthews this year? Uh, is there anybody you're keeping an eye out on that you're like, all right, if we can get that guy for cheap, you know, he's, he's, you know, age 30 plus can come in and be effective, you know, and provide some three and D, you know, basically play on the wing. Is there anybody you're looking at as, as a cheap option that you think would be a good fit for the Lakers? Well, I, one thing I kind of found interesting today was JJ Redick tweeting uh, free Caruso. Mm -hmm. um, that was, that was kind of interesting to me. We're at that stage of the off season where our board minds wander. And here, this was something that kind of caught my eye that, Huh, this is Reddick makes a lot of sense if if the Lakers are looking for somebody who just knocks shots down. Now he's he's certainly older. He'll be 37 next year. Um, had a very disappointing contract, frankly, in in New Orleans. Uh, and then and then eventually Dallas. He had that whole weird I was promised that I wouldn't be traded situation. Yeah. That that was whatever it was. Um, but but he's somebody who, if the Lakers are just focused on on shooting. He's somebody that I could maybe see as like a, a flyer potentially that, that, that the Lakers take out there. Um, and then, and then, you know, for the thing that is going to be really interesting to watch with the Lakers is they do need shooting, but do they trust Kyle Kuzma, KCP, uh, West Matthews, Taylor Horton Tucker, even uh, to either bounce back or add shooting to their games. And if not, do those guys get included in traded trades uh, because there are so few assets to move around. So uh, that's going to be, if, if I know the Lakers love Kuzma, I know, I know uh, anybody that you talk to anywhere near the Lakers organization will tell you that they absolutely adore the kid. Uh, and, and for most of this regular season, I, I thought he had a very good year. He just had maybe the worst postseason before Ben Simmons decided to stop shooting. And, and then, you know, for, for KCP, he was the original, he was the first bean in the ground that sprouted the LeBron James tampering ability. And, and I'm sure they feel very grateful to him, won a championship with them. Uh, but he also completely disappeared in the postseason. Is Wes, Matt, Wes Matthews considered uh, washed at this point? He wants to be back. I know that. And so if he's just on a minimum, is that something that the Lakers go in that direction for? So I, I think, Redick is somebody I, I now have my eye on. He's on my radar. And then after that, it becomes, do the Lakers make a trade for a more reliable shooter beyond whoever they might be able to find uh, on, on the veterans minimum or whatever exception market? 
Yeah, because I like that. That what the I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he's a good shooter because he he wasn't this year. I think he was at uh, roughly 28 percent for Mo Harkless, right? Like he went from the Heat to the Kings. Actually, had a pretty good impact on the team for the for the minimum amount of games that he played after the trade deadline. But somewhere like a cheap, like hey, we're gonna sh- ship you, you know, a second round or, or two second round picks, um, so you could free up some space to take a player like that. I actually really like Kent Bazemore. Uh, I watch a lot of their games with the, with the Warriors this year. I don't know. I mean, from what, again, the same thing you're saying about Wes Matthews uh, for Bays up in, up in, up in uh, the Bay area is he wants to stay. Um, but I mean, he was a cheap option. Started most of the games towards the end of the year. Once they had to shift things around without Wiseman and Kelly Oubre. And he did a pretty good job for, for a veterans minimum guy. He could still a reliable shooter. Um, you know, had, had a pretty good defensive rating. I think he was top three or four on the, on the Warriors of guys who played significant minutes. So you're looking at someone like that, that you can take a cheap flyer on. I think that's the way they're going to be able to add this. And again, you have the benefit of having LeBron James. You have the benefit of having Anthony Davis on your roster and you have the benefit of being the Lakers and playing in Los Angeles. So you're going to naturally get these guys who are in their thirties, who, who, you know, are going to look at it and say, damn, you know, where can I, where do I want to go play? I can try and win a championship. You know, I'm not going to go somewhere like, uh, you know, the Pistons where it's a total rebuild situation or somewhere like it's a mess of a situation like it is in New Orleans, even though they have Zion and Brandon Ingram, where you're looking at, okay, that might take them a few years to get out. I think that's what they're going to, that's going to going to be their best bet is trying to look at guys that they can pick up on the cheap and take a flyer on someone that you look at that can potentially grow into, all right, we need this guy out there for, you know, like a guy like Wayne Ellington, like, Hey, you go out there and play 10, 12 minutes a game, hopefully hit a few uh, open jumpers when you get them. And then we'll kind of move on from there. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the Lakers it's, it's, it's tough because on one hand you say this was a championship team and there are core pieces of that championship team uh, that just, went through tough injuries because of uh, this insane and astronomically difficult season that the Lakers went through and, and, and everybody in the in, in NBA went through. I thought that's why the, the Nina Shea um, news struck me as kind of odd. Cause I don't, I don't know why you would hold anybody accountable for something. Every team in the NBA uh, was facing this year in terms of increased injuries. But, but I, I think for, for the purposes of this next season, the Lakers on one hand trust the guys who won them championships, but on the other hand, I think you start to have to you have to start planning for LeBron declining. So does that mean more creativity? Rob Polinka says they need more shooting. Okay, but shooters who can create those tend to be really well paid, and the Lakers don't have the flexibility to do that. So, uh, and then and then on top of that, like. <laughs> players who can shoot and create a little bit and defend in the way that Frank Vogel wants them to defend. Those guys are super expensive. And, and so the Lakers aren't going to have access to that. So something's got to give here something in terms of their identity as a, as a great defensive team is going to have to shift uh, something in their identity as a just LeBron offense is probably going to have to shift or, or either that, or they have to enhance it to a point where you, you do everything you possibly can to optimize LeBron James, which kind of sort of means more minutes for Anthony Davis at the five, which is something that he seems kind of reticent to. So I I don't, I don't, there's somewhere in here, something's going to have to give in terms of who is willing to sacrifice what, and that's going to define this next off season. Yeah. That's that I think is going to be kind of the, the, the big focal point of the off season. I I think you hit the nail on the head with, 
okay, are we going to be, are we still going to look at being a good, great defensive team? Are we still going to look at, um, you know, how are we going to shift things around? I, I you know, again, looking at, at when they brought Drummond in, I understand why, just given the uncertainty surrounding what was happening with their front court. But I think you want to go into next season that, okay, if you need to have an available roster spot that, you know, what you have every year in the NBA, that somebody's, you know, a team is going to buy out an established veteran and, and guys are going to look to get out if they're, if their team's sitting at, you know, 14 and 40, 55 games into the season, uh, they're going to look to make sh shifts and changes there. And I think that's where it, it's the Lakers. I, I think that they're going to be better suited to try and build this team right away, going into game one and being like, this is the squad we're rolling with. Obviously you have to be adaptable and make necessary changes as you go, but find the pieces that you look at and think, and again, the, the, the pandemic and the shortened off season obviously played a big role, not just for the Lakers, for, for many teams in the NBA, we've seen that happen in the, in the NFL in terms of the injuries we saw and, 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 you know, teams having to adapt the rookies struggled a lot in the NFL. A lot of them did because they didn't have that, you know, full off season of, of working one-on-one -on -one and, and being around other players. So I, I think they have to look at this and say, okay, let's use this as a reset. We still have LeBron, even though he's going to be 37, we still have uh, Anthony Davis, you know, arguably one of the top five players in the league. And let's try and build out around these guys. Now, if you have to find some, some cheaper vets to take on, you know, that, that you're hoping will come in and, and fill in the end of your bench, you got to look at it because here's another intriguing name. I mean, would you even look at a guy like Andre Iguodala stunk with the, with the heat last year, but he's another guy. He comes in and gives you 10, 12 minutes a game. You're in pretty good shape. Maybe. I mean, he, he's never been a particularly great shooter. No. And as you age, obviously like the thing that made Iguodala so special was his athleticism and, and athleticism doesn't normally age particularly well. So um, that would be interesting it, it, just in terms of like what kind of contract that he would be offered. But look, no matter what, the kind of player that you get at the minimum is going to be a flawed player. Like Andre Drummond this year was considered a high, high, high end uh, veterans minimum player. And he started the year making $28 million. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, so no matter what, like if, if you're hoping to fill out your roster and get production out of vet men type guys, that's not, that's not going to happen. Um, so it's just a matter of like, wh what do you prioritize? Do the Lakers prioritize uh, veteran, you know, ready readiness type uh, players above young guys who might be able to grow in the more Anthony Davis era than the LeBron era. I would probably lean more veteran, uh, but, but these are all questions that, that Rob Palenka has to ask himself that LeBron has to ask himself and, and that Anthony Davis has to ask himself, like the Lakers can't go into next year with four centers. You can't do that. Yeah. Like that's it. That's three players that you're not going to use particularly much in a playoff series. So is Anthony Davis to willing to carry more of that burden? Um, I would hope so. And he's going to have a longer off season now to get ready for next year than he did this year. So I would hope that he's more ready to carry that burden. Uh, but, but at the end of the day, if he isn't, then, <laughs> then that means you're, you're giving up an extra rotation player somewhere else, or, or that means that over the course of the year, you might have to readjust as those minutes get doled out and somebody is on the outside looking in of that center rotation. So so yeah, I, I, this, it's it's such an interesting offseason, not just because of the specific questions that you're asking, but because of how little information that the Lakers have to work off of. This is such a flawed year. You had 30 games in which, um, you know, LeBron James and or Anthony Davis were not there uh, in both of their seasons. 
And because of that, like that changes the data sample sample that you can take in and make decisions on current guys, current Lakers with. Uh, and, and because of that, like, what do we do? What, what do the Lakers do with Dennis Schroeder? Like he yeah. wanted a hundred million dollars and, and he was painfully bad in the postseason, just really, really bad. And, and quite frankly, never looked particularly comfortable alongside LeBron James, which that should be the whole point is, is finding people who, who look comfortable next to LeBron and look comfortable next to Anthony Davis. So what do you even do there? It's, it's, it's such an interesting off season that the Lakers are heading into. Yeah, but I love what they did a couple of years ago, you know, the championship season, which obviously took like a year and a half because of the pandemic, but um, just give Frank Vogel options. You know what I mean? And now they have to look at it. And I like your saying, like, you know, going into this offseason, find some guys, obviously, that you don't know for sure, but you're, you know, the analytics and, and the eye test, they're showing, okay, these guys look like they'll be a good fit next to guys like LeBron, next to guys like AD, where they don't necessarily need the ball in their hands, but they're going to do the little things and the right things to make it work. I think that's what the, the 2020, the championship team, I like the fact that Vogel adjusted to that with Dwight Howard, with uh, JaVale McGee. And you saw how bad Dwight was with, with the Sixers in the playoffs. He was terrible. Um, but, you know, so it's like getting these guys in this situation that they're going to be the right fit. They're going to be able to do, um, you know, bring shooting, bring some defense, but just give Frank Vogel, give them some options that you're going to be able to figure this out as the season moves along. But you're going to set these guys up and, and look into it with the with the kind of the right frame of mind, which is we need to have like, like Rondo to me, as much as, you know, we, we hated on him, he did a great job in the playoffs every single time. And when he was doing that, it's because he's a good fit and that gave him, and if he was struggling, okay, we'll put KCP out there and give him a little bit more time there and, and have, you know, Kuzma bring it up or whatever it was. And it was always an adjustment. So I think it'll be, like you said, I think it's going to be a fascinating offseason with the Lakers, just given their cap situation. And as you mentioned, guys like Dennis Schroeder. Uh, but again, we're going to have to wait another maybe, what, month or two here to get started on that. Uh, Anthony, anything you're going to be doing tonight other than smoking some weed and, and celebration yeah. of Alex Caruso? <laughs> I, in, in solidarity. In so, I'm, I'm with you, Alex. You and me together. I, I smoked some before the show just to be prepared to talk about the subject. I'm Perfect. kidding. Perfect. I did not. But but <laughs> um, but uh, but no, tonight I have to record Lakers Lowdown for tomorrow, which you guys can catch every every day on on this very feed. And then uh, and then catching some more playoff basketball. It's been fantastic. Yeah, it's been good so far. I'm looking forward to uh, to game three between the Clips and Suns. Uh, the Eastern Conference game one underway as we're recording this, but we'll see how, how close that one ends up being as well. That does it for this episode. Don't forget, subscribe to the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. Like I mentioned off the top, we've got a couple of shows that coming at you pretty much well daily. Uh, Anthony takes care of his own, and then we're also all across the feed with Harrison, Sabrina, the Alexes, Christian, we're all hopping on uh, and, and doing this. So don't forget, subscribe to us. Give us a five-star rating. We always appreciate that. You can catch us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, anywhere you get your fix. And of course, check out silverscreenandroll.com throughout the entire offseason. That is it for this episode. I'll catch up with you all again next week.